What's good, sports fans? Thanks for tuning in. Episode 5 in the Sports by Fry podcast series. Pretty exciting, massive episode today. Uh, This will probably be the biggest podcast that I've done to date. Talking about the NBA, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening. We've got about two to three weeks left in the season, so the playoff race is in full swing. A couple of teams have locked up seeds already, but there's a lot that are still fighting it out for a coveted playoff seeding. I'm going to talk about, of course, March Madness. That's still blowing up the sporting world. That's pretty insane. There's first uh, games in the Sweet 16 were played last night with the rest of the fixtures to be played later on today. So I'll touch on them. Of course, got to talk about the footy. The AFL's back. Two games in, two interesting games as well. I'll dissect a little bit of them and then touch on a few other things that I did on the sportsbyfry.com with regards to articles I've written and few other things to look forward to over what is going to be a massive weekend in sport. So without further ado, let's get into it. I'm going to start by talking about the NBA. So since I last uh, touched base with the NBA, when was it? I think it was on one of my Tuesday episodes. I've been doing a lot of AFL stuff the last few days because the AFL season just got underway. But yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of things happening in the NBA, mainly revolving around Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs. But I'll touch on them when I look at the West. I'm going to start in the East. So out East, my boys, the Cavs, they got a massive win the other night over the Raptors. That was an awesome game. Um, if you haven't watched it, go check out the highlights. The Raps scored like 79 points in the first half, were up by about 15, the most points that they've scored in a half in like franchise history or history or in like 20 years or something crazy. So a massive win for Cleveland. They didn't have a lot of their, you know, starting guys. Rodney Hood was out. Luckily they had Kevin Love back from injury and he had an awesome game. Tristan Thompson, um, Larry Nance, and of course Ty Lue, who's stepped away from the Cavs uh, regarding health issues. So fingers crossed he can get his health in order and be back on the sideline for the Cavs. Um, so assistant coach LeBron James doesn't have to do too much heavy lifting off the court. He can focus on the on the court antics. So that win, and with a couple of other results, actually locked up a playoff spot for the Cavs. So they're sitting third right now in the East. Um, after the last week that's transpired, their current playoff matchup would be the Wizards. The Wizards are sitting sixth, who they desperately need John Wall back. Um, I'm, I'm not here for any of the talk in people saying that the Wizards are better without John Wall. Even if John Wall's not at full strength, you'd still rather have him than Sadoransky and whoever else is trying to run the show for them. You'd rather have John Wall in uniform. So yeah, first round matchup right now would be the Cavs versus the Wizards, um, which is probably, as a Cavs fan, the ideal matchup that I'd want to see. I'm really worried about them going against a, a hot Victor Oladipo, although the Pacers don't really worry me. But the Sixers are actually sitting fourth right now. They've climbed all the way up into a top four seed. Um, like I touched on about a week ago, they have the cruisiest schedule remaining. They play a lot of the, the cellar dwellers and teams near the bottom. So the Sixers could end up with home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs, which if you told me that at the start of the year, I would have said probably not. But, you know, considering the talent level of Embiid and Simmons, it's, you know, you, you can see it. You can see why they're where they are. Um, the top two, I don't think will move. Raptors have got the one seed. Boston's got two. And then, yeah, the Cavs are in a little bit of a bunch with the Wizards and Pacers, but I think they'll hold out and stay third. 
in the bottom four. I think we should watch out for Miami. They look pretty impressive in the last few games. I watched the Miami-Denver game. They went to double OT a couple of nights ago, and the Heat looked really good. They didn't have Dwayne Wade in uniform, who can you know add a little something. He won't be out averaging 25 points, but he'll give you a nice spark off the bench. Yeah, we should watch out for Miami. The Bucks are just... It'll be a fun first-round matchup, whether they finish eighth, which they're currently slated to now, go up against Toronto, or they go up against Boston, I think. They're probably only going to be here for one six-game, seven-game series. So it'll be nice to watch Giannis do his thing, but they're not going any further. Transitioning out to the West, and of course, as you know, the Western playoff race right now is still bananas, although it's starting to look very similar to the East. We've pretty much got the eight teams locked in. I mean, Denver or the Clippers could go on a run and claim one of the spots. That's not out of the realm of possibility. They're still right within striking distance, but I think it would take... You know, something pretty special for either of them to leapfrog into the eight and knock out the likes of Utah or Minnesota or whoever else is languishing down there. But, yeah, there's only one and a half games splitting the fourth seed and the eighth seed. So there's a lot of shuffling that's still to be done um, out west. San Antonio has been firing lately. They've won five in a row, even without Kawhi, who, you know, is coming back and then he's not and then his quad's still not right and now his teammates are... You know, imploring him to come back. They really need him. And Kawhi's saying he, he can't. So it's a weird situation in San Antonio. But Pop's got them, you know, galvanised. They've won five in a row. They're pushing up. I think they're in the sixth seed right now. So, you know, they're on track to... I thought for a while they were going to miss the playoffs, especially with Kawhi sideline. But, yeah, they look like they've proved me wrong and proved a lot of others wrong. And they should... I don't think they can get through the first round. But at the moment, if they match up against, like, your Portland or an OKC, there's no reason why... The Spurs couldn't advance into round two and lock horns with Golden State or Houston. That'd be, you know, really interesting to see. It's tough to kind of look at some potential matchups out west because there's still so much movement. I think Denver plays Minnesota twice, and currently Denver and Minnesota are just split by two games. So, you know, if Denver wins both of them, that dramatically changes the outlook of the playoff picture. Utah has been almost unstoppable since they got back Rudy Gobert, but Again, you know, they've, they've got a few tough games coming up. They play Golden State on the weekend. So, yeah, it's, it's still anyone's game as to, to guess how the West seedings are going to pan out. But pretty interesting. I do like that the, um, the race for all the seeds and the spot to try and lock up home court advantage at the third or fourth spot still a bit wide open. I think Portland's pretty much got a top four spot locked up now. Their recent games have kind of put a bit of a cushion between them and the rest of the field, so they should get there. But yeah, OKC, the Pelicans, the Timberwolves, Utah, like anyone else could really end in that fourth spot. It's pretty pretty awesome. In fact, the bottom seven teams are only separated by four and a half games at the moment, from your league-worst Suns and Memphis Grizzlies down to the Kings and the Nets. Yeah, it's still really tight. So that actually transitions perfectly into... Um, some of the pieces that I did last week. So for my NBA mock draft that I did, the Suns had pick number one, and I said that they'd be taking DeAndre Ayton. I think that even though there's a couple of worries about his defensive ability, he looks like an absolute animal. He looks pretty much like David Robinson. That is who he reminds me of. It might be a big call. A lot of people are saying he looks like um, Patrick Ewing, I guess, which, are, you know, two Hall of Famers are pretty elite company to be compared to. But, yeah, he looks like... He looked like a man amongst boys in college, and I think that, yeah, he's an absolute game-changer. And if I had the number one pick, that's who I'd take. I can understand why a GM would probably want to go for Luka Doncic as well, or Doncic. He's 
a Slovenian who's playing for Real Madrid out in the Euro Leagues who looks like some have even compared him to like a, a white Magic Johnson, like his ability to just create um, passing, you know, passes like a freak of nature. He's about six foot seven, so he looks like a, a European version of Magic with his ability to pass the ball and score in a variety of ways. So he's another person who's in the mix for the first overall pick that, you know, if, if they end up, whoever gets pick number one, if they take Aiton or Doncic or Donkic, then I can totally understand why. That's who I had going first or at the top of the chain in my mock draft. Where the Cavs are picking, about 6th or 7th. The order keeps changing every day. I can't even remember where the Cavs were when I wrote the article. I think from memory they were 7th. I said they'd be getting Trey Young. His stocks uh, slid a little bit after Oklahoma kind of went into the toilet in the second half of the year. But yeah, he's still a 20-25 point per game scorer in the league, I think. He reminds me, obviously, like everyone says, a bit of Steph Curry, but his game's a little bit different to Steph Curry's. From a shooting perspective, a lot of people are comparing him to Curry because he has a quick release, but he kind of reminds me a bit of like a Lillard or a Kemba Walker. Like he, you know, he's all about getting buckets. He can get you, you know, 10 assists a game, but yeah, he can score in such a variety of ways. He's not a great finisher at the rim, so if he stacks on some muscle in a few years, then, you know, he, he could really be a dangerous player in the league. So from the NBA mock draft to the NFL mock draft, just quickly touching on that, uh, I had the Cleveland Browns taking Sam Darnold with the first pick. And a couple of pieces that I wrote, or a couple of mock drafts that I wrote previously, I said I'm not sold on any of the quarterbacks as a bona fide number one player, someone you must grab. But after the moves that the Cavs have made, I think adding Darnold, you know, to learn from Tyrod Taylor, or at least you know, there's no pressure for Darnold to deliver right away. That gives him a perfect situation. Jarvis Landry, Corey Coleman, and Josh Gordon are pretty good receivers, so they give someone Darnold to throw. They give someone for Darnold to throw to. So, yeah, I think I think that makes sense. They could go Saquon Barkley at pick number one, but in my mock draft, I actually have them getting him at four anyway. The Jets traded up to number three. They probably did that to take a quarterback, who I think will be. Josh Allen or probably Baker Mayfield. That's If I was a betting man, that's who I'd put my money on. Um, and then I had the Giants taking uh, Josh Rosen from UCLA at pick two. New York traded away Jason Paul Pierre a couple of days ago, um, who's a massive defensive end for them. So they could take Bradley Chubb, who's meant to be a great defensive end prospect. But I think they'll go quarterback and look for a successor to Eli. So with the top three picks being quarterbacks, the Browns get their wish and get Saquon Barkley at pick four. I won't go into any more depth about those uh, mock drafts that I wrote. You can read all about them on sportsbyfry.com. Please make sure you check them out. We're going to transition into a bit of March Madness. And Madness really does encapsulate exactly what's going on in the tournament this year. It's, it's pretty bonkers. So like I touched on at the lead-off, the first part of the Sweet 16 kicked off last night. And we saw just... Once again, some dramatic games, some real close finishes, um, and some pretty epic results. A lot of the underdogs getting up. So, believe it or not, a ninth seed and an eleventh seed are playing for a spot in the final four in the South region. It's yeah, it's it's awesome. I love, like I said previously, and I'll keep saying it again. I love March Madness. Just that win or go home mentality. One winner advances. Well, it just it leads to some pretty awesome and just crazy results. So, yeah, a ninth and 11th seed are playing after Kentucky got knocked off by Kansas State and the 11th seed, Loyola Chicago, took care of Nevada. 
the upsets and crazy results didn't stop there. Michigan took care of business against Texas A&M, like everyone kind of expected them to. But, yeah, another big dog in Gonzaga went down in the other game to the Florida State Seminoles. So, yeah, a ninth seed and a third seed are playing for a spot in the Final Four in the West region. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the second batch of the Sweet 16 games we've got tonight. The likes of Clemson and Kansas are playing. Duke and Syracuse should be awesome. Uh, West Virginia, I really, really want to see them get the win against Nova. So, yeah, this the tournament's not failing to deliver. So if you've missed out on the early craziness and you're only just tuning in, you're not too late. So make sure that you follow the rest of March Madness from here on out because it's pretty much anyone's game and anyone's guess as to what the hell is going to happen in the rest of this tournament. Even though we didn't get to see some of the big matchups that I would have liked, you know, Michigan State versus Duke or Arizona and Kentucky, seeing a lot of those draft prospects go head-to-head, I'd almost rather see like these crazy runs by lower seeds. I mean, everyone can get behind an underdog and cheer for an underdog. So seeing someone like Loyola Chicago, an 11th seed, who like on my first video, I pronounced their name wrong or, you know, said not to worry about them because they won't be here. They've just shocked the nation and blown everyone's expectations out of the water. So yeah, I'm all for these these lower seeds and, you know, your double-digit seeds going on big runs. Everyone loves cheering for, you know, the underdog, like I said. So even though we're, you know, missing out on seeing the likes of Trey Young or DeAndre Ayton or, you know, other prominent college players go on these big runs, there's still a few names out there. But, yeah, I'm, I'm all for these, these lower seeds making a real run. And who knows, you know, imagine if we get to the Final Four and Florida State are there. Loyola Chicago are there, Clemson or someone else is there. It, it'd make for a pretty memorable year, that's for sure. While I was asleep, the uh, Crows and Bombers, well, they didn't officially kick off AFL action. That honour belongs to the Tigers and Carlton from Thursday night. But, yeah, Friday night footy always feels like the first game of the year. Carlton and Richmond seems like a bit of a novelty after they've been doing it for so many years now. So, yeah, the Dons and Crows kicked off Friday night footy, pretty awesome game. Adelaide found themselves up uh, about 20, with about 15 minutes left in the match clock, and then, yeah, Bombers just stormed home and took out a pretty famous win, a real, you know, uplifting win for the Don supporters. A lot of their guys look pretty good. Joey Danaher looked pretty unstoppable. I'm not ready to draw a line through Adelaide or, you know, pump up Essendon for the win, though. I mean, the Crows were playing away from home, they were missing key guys like Tex, Tommy Lynch, um, Brad Crouch got injured, so he was missing. So I'm not, you know, writing the Bombers' name on the Premiership Cup just yet. It's a massive win for them, but, you know, I can almost guarantee you can't tell me who Adelaide played in the first round last year or who Richmond beat, so I oh, they would have beat Carlton, classic. But, yeah, you know what I mean? There's, let's not overreact to just one game of footy. In a month or so, if the Dons have sitting 4-0 and Joey Danaher's kicked 20 or 30 goals, then I might change what I said. But yeah, in the preseason, I said I wasn't a believer of Essendon and I'm going to stick to that uh, that belief for now anyway. The Tigers and Carlton, like I said, played Thursday night. Richmond looked pretty sluggish in this game. They, you know, the, the Blues gave them a bit of a scare, which could be a good sign for Carlton fans. This might be the year that, you know, they stop languishing in the bottom five or six and start to make it look like they're going to compete for a, a finals berth. Charlie Kerno looks like an absolute future star. Um, he kicked five for the Blue Baggers, which was nice. I'm sure lots of Carlton fans would be happy to see him up and about. 
Dustin Martin looked at his his Brownlow best. Um, I think, yeah, I, I tipped Paddy Dangerfield for the Brownlow this year, but Dusty's going to be hard to stop again in 2018. He looks invincible. Two games are done. There's still seven left, including my boys, the Frio Dockers, travelling to Adelaide to take on Port. <sighs> I, don't, I don't think there's a way that Frio can win this game. It would be nice. I think if we're going to win this game, and it'll probably be a similar strategy for most of the games this year, the Dockers are in contention for. It, has, it can't be a game... You know, that's super free-flowing and high-scoring. We do have a bit of pace about our game, but we just can't kick a massive score. So, you know, if Ross Lyon can adopt and bring back that, you know, defence-first strategy when, you know, the Dockers were making the grandy then, and we, you know, turn into one of the best defensive teams in the comp, that might win us a few more games. But we're still a few years away and a few more games into these kids and a few pieces away from really pushing our way up the ladder. So... When we played Port early last year, I think it was in round two or three, we lost by about 90 points. So fingers crossed it won't get that ugly, but if it does, then it wouldn't surprise me. Port Power look like they're primed for a real serious run at the flag this year, so I'm sure they'd like to kick off their year in a good way, um, which probably doesn't mean the best of results from a Fremantle Dockers perspective. Most of the analysis and the stuff that occurred in the last you know week or so I've talked about now, you know, the basketball, AFL. So let's look ahead to what's happening this weekend. Again, March Madness continues, which should be pretty epic. Tonight, the second round of the Sweet 16, or the second half of the Sweet 16, gets underway. And then over the weekend, the Elite Eight is played to determine who'll be in the Final Four. If I was a betting man, I mean, out of the South region, I have not. You'd probably pick Loyola Chicago over Kansas State, but Kansas State have beat some more impressive opponents, but they better 16 to other. The South region, honestly, you can flip a coin to determine who will win that one. But it should be a pretty close game, and whoever wins, it will be, you know, pretty historic to see a 9 or an 11 seed in the final four. So don't miss that one. That could turn into an epic. I think Michigan will beat Florida State. I mean, FSU's had some good wins on their run through to the Elite Eight. But, yeah, Michigan is probably one of the best picks to win it all from here. So, yeah, I've got the Wolverines advancing to the Final Four. Out in the Midwest, I think Duke are probably the favourites to get there. Cuse have looked impressive, though. They've gone from the first four to the Sweet 16. So, you know, never say never. Don't count out Coach Bayheim and that elite zone defence. They've got some cool pieces. But, yeah, I think Duke will probably beat whoever wins uh, the Clemson-Kansas matchup. So they're probably another Final Four contender. And the East region, they've actually dodged a lot of the upsets. You know, it's been pretty vanilla. I think the fourth seed in Wichita State was the only real big name that's gone down so far. So Villanova looks like the favourite almost to win it all from here. But Purdue, Texas Tech, even West Virginia, you know, considering what else has transpired this tournament, if one of them make the Final Four, it wouldn't surprise me. Although, for argument's sake, I'm siding with Nova. I think Nova versus West Virginia, although it'll be a bit of a slugfest in the defensive matchup, will be the best game this weekend. So make sure you tune into that one. It could be Javon Carter's last game for the Mountaineers, which would be a bit of a shame. I've loved him at West Virginia. He's one of my favourite players to watch. So, yeah, they could cause an upset. Don't see it happening, though. Probably Nova over Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech will beat out Purdue. Um, for a spot in the Elite Eight, and then, yeah, Villanova will claim that final four berth. In the NBA, there's some massive games on tonight. Denver faces Washington in pretty much a, a season-defining game. If they can win that game, 
and they travel to Toronto to play the Raps in what will probably be another season-defining game. But beating Washington in Washington would be massive for the Nuggets' confidence. And to keep them in touch with the rest of the top eight, I think they have to get that win. And I, I think they probably will. Washington is still without John Wall. So I think, yeah, I think the Nuggets will get it up tonight. Miami also plays in OKC tonight. That should be another fantastic game. Miami plays the Pacers um, over the weekend as well, which you know could go a long way into determining the um, tiebreaker and the seeding out of the East Conference. And then the last, probably best game in the NBA, Utah plays the Warriors, like I've mentioned earlier. So yeah, if, if Utah can win that game, then you know who knows? They might be able to even push up for a four seed. But I think. Steph Curry's back for the Warriors, even though Draymond, Clay, and Durant are still out. I think, yeah, the Dub Nation boys are probably too good to see the Jazz get a win over them. In the AFL, my pick for the rest of the round is to watch the Giants and Bulldogs game. I had the Dogs tipped as a um, finals team in 2018. And the last couple of times the Giants and Western Bulldogs have played each other, both matches have been pretty interesting. I think it was a preliminary where the Dogs got into the Grandy a couple of years ago and they played last year in another epic, so a close match. So yeah, don't miss that one, that'll be a ripper. Finally, I just want to give a couple of shout outs uh, over the past couple of days. A couple of athletes have stood out to me and you know that they deserve a little bit of credit, extra credit I should say. So Dwight Howard, just quietly, he's been having an awesome year. He's pretty much averaging the same numbers as his career. I think he's shooting a little bit better from the field Averaging around two two blocks a game, 12 boards, 16, 17 points. No one's giving him enough credit. He's having an awesome, awesome season. As was illustrated when he became the second bloke since Moses in like 1985 to have 30 points and 30 rebounds. Um, Kevin Love did it in 2010. So yeah, Dwight's the first bloke to do that in eight years and only the second bloke to do it in the last 30 or 40. So Kudos to Dwight Howard, keep doing what you're doing. Also, Matty Crouch, I had him in my AFL fantasy team all preseason. He was locked, set and forget. I was really happy and stoked to have him in my team until about 24 hours before final lockout. I traded him out for Josh Kelly, who will probably still do really good for the Giants. And I'm not upset in having Josh Kelly in my team, but Crouch had 41 touches against Essendon and looked like he will you know, probably average 110, 115. So kind of kicking myself for not keeping Crouch and sticking to my guns, but good job, Matty. Nice showing on uh, on round one. And it is currently the 23rd of March um, in Toronto. So happy birthday to Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. Pretty rare that those two guys, you know, two Boston stars celebrate their birthday on the same day, which is cool though. So happy birthday to those boys and to Jason Kidd, who's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame or elected in the Hall of Fame later this year and, you know, one of the best point guards to ever play in the NBA. So happy birthday, boys. That concludes the uh, fifth podcast instalment of Sports by Fry. Um, the podcast is now live on Anchor and SoundCloud as well as iTunes. I'm still working on getting it up on Spotify. So be patient, bear with me. But yeah, most people I know seem to get their podcasts from um, iTunes, Anchor or SoundCloud. So make sure you subscribe to the channel on one of those platforms. Keep listening. Um, leave a rating and review. I'd always like to hear positive feedback. Or to be honest, I always appreciate any feedback, even if it's not good. 
um, you know, honesty is the the key. So episode five done and dusted. Pretty uh, pretty broad episode, but yeah, leave a rating review. Keep checking out sportsbyfry.com for all your latest in breaking news from the sports world. I'm not too sure what I've got planned for tomorrow and over the weekend. I'll be doing my Sunday picks, of course, and then, yeah, I'll be doing the Sunday sit-down with Jake as well as another episode. So you can view all my pieces that I've previously written or the ones that I've got in the works. Um, Yeah, thanks for listening. Hope you've enjoyed episode five. Until next time, peace. Peace.